Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play we bring you some of our, and in this case, all your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. I'm your host Leon Cox, here with Sound of Play 171, and it's an all request show. The long and short of it is, uh, I've been away, those of you who follow us on uh, social media, Twitter, Instagram, will have seen uh, maybe a couple of pictures of me and Jay hanging out up in Liverpool where he has recently moved as his wife has gone to work for Sony in Liverpool, the computer games bit, formerly Psygnosis. Uh, we also, by genuine pure happenstance, bumped into 
Sean Bell of our friendly, frenemy, rival podcast, The Computer Game Show, uh, in a street food eatery in, um, in the brewery district uh, on the edge of Toxteth, which was, yeah, genuinely very odd uh, of all the places, uh, all the times we could have been. There we were uh, in, yeah in Liverpool on a Saturday morning, uh, early afternoon, as it was. Anyway, it was a very nice trip. Thank you to Jay, who will be editing this podcast, and Kai for putting us up, showing us around the uh, fantastic city of Liverpool. Uh, a good time was had by all, I think, hopefully. We certainly ate some delicious food, both at home and uh, out. Yeah, and Tanya and I went to... Tanya's my partner, for those who don't know. I don't like this show, or any of our shows, to be too... Uh, overly familiar but then you want you want people to people to feel included but and not excluded but that includes talking a certain amount about you know yourself and referring to things anyway we went to the Everton match Brighton uh, aware Everton we lost but it was nice to see another ground uh, to add to the list uh, and a very old ground Everton's uh, 1892 I think it went up and uh, yeah in some ways it looks it but uh, but no, it's an atmospheric place. And uh, yeah, it was all good. Uh, I'm recording this on November the 5th, Bonfire Night, or Guy, Guy Fawkes Night. Uh, so you may or may not hear the odd pop and bang outside. It is nearly 10 o'clock now at the time of recording, local time. Most of the fireworks have stopped, but no doubt a few cheeky scamps and naughty young rapscallions will let off a few bangers before the night is out. And as they have for the last couple of weeks, probably for the next few months until about January the 5th or something like that. Anyway, Grumpy Old Man Corner concluded. Uh, we opened this podcast with a piece from a game that I memorably described as memorable and probably wasn't memorable uh, the way I described it. The game was Deadly Premonition, uh, Once Played, Never Forgotten. Mainly for good reasons, but not maybe not a hundred percent for good reasons. For some funny reasons as well, but it's uh, it's a remarkable experience. Now uh, very much embedded as a cult classic of the medium. Originally came out in two thousand ten on the three sixty. Uh, ended up getting ported in a marginally revised form to PS three and PC. Uh, Simon Sloth actually requested the piece that we played there. Simon says, I finished Deadly Premonition at the weekend for the second time and have been listening to the soundtrack on my way to work. It's such a bizarre mishmash of ideas, much like the game, and never fails to bring a smile to my face. This track is one of the more emotive pieces. Despite its borderline terrible vocals, it somehow manages to be nothing short of fantastic. I haven't managed to find out which of the three composers who worked on the game composed that particular guitar heavy and vocal piece but it's called The Woods and the Goddess and the composers on the game are Ryu Kinagasa, uh, excuse me Takuya Kobayashi and Hiromi Mizutani and yes Deadly Premonition or Red Seeds Profile to give it its original Japanese title uh, I'm not sure is it backwards compatible my guess my hunch is that it isn't on Xbox One but uh, you can play it on Steam you can play it on PS3 I believe it was a PS Plus game at some point as well. If you've never played it, uh, be prepared for something a little less glossy and slick than you might be used to, but something with a huge amount of intrigue and charm and atmosphere 
uh, and a tone that is really spikes on the the tonometer <laughs> it's like some insane uh readout of uh, comedy to horror and bizarreness and really dark stuff and really silly stuff and back again uh in yeah before you can before you can keep up before you before you've witnessed something horrendous you'll be having there'll be some crazy joke sequence and vice versa it's a it's a really odd game um mechanically uh, quite simplistic to that would be generous perhaps broken in some areas but it really is uh, it really is a game that i think is worth experiencing i know not everyone will make it past all the all the quirks and foibles but uh, i would say yeah from my experience i'm it, it was absolutely worth it. Anyway, check out Kane and Rince issue 93 back in the archives to hear that, uh, to hear us talk about that for a good couple of hours. It was a fun time. Now we have a track which I can't believe we haven't featured before. This comes in as a request from the stunt lady who regular listeners to all things Kane and Rince will have heard on this podcast before and may have heard on a couple of our Kane and Rince podcasts as well. She was on our Undertale show with an amazing contribution and also recently Final Fantasy VI, very recent show. Uh, so, but yes, surprisingly, we haven't featured this particular piece before, but it seems like a good time. The stunt lady, Maya, says, pump the brakes, folks. The Kane and Rince episode on Final Fantasy VII is right around the corner. It's time to talk about One-Winged Angel. Many years ago, when Sound of Play was still in the single digits, Joshua Garrity compared Sephiroth's theme song to Let It Go. We've all probably heard it 50-plus times. It's been remixed, remastered, reimagined to death. So much has already been discussed about this piece of music. Is there anything new or groundbreaking to say? I don't know. Yet, here we are. One of the most acclaimed entries in the Final Fantasy series is up for scrutiny on the main feed, and we can't ignore this track any longer. One Winged Angel is, in a word, iconic. It's Nobuo Uematsu at his most inspired. The peaks that it hits are monumental. Its impact is legendary. It is nothing short of awesome. I've chosen the version arranged by Arnie Roth and performed by the Royal Stockholm Philharmonic Orchestra. And again, I'd encourage any fan of game music to go to a Distant Worlds concert if you have the chance. There's nothing quite like witnessing a sold-out audience absolutely lose their minds at the sound of the opening notes, singing along with the orchestra to provide the vocals, chanting Sephiroth, while tears stream down your face and seeing the people sitting around you doing the exact same thing. That right there is a testament to how important and special One Winged Angel is. So maybe there's nothing new to say. Maybe all that's left is to simply turn it up and enjoy one of the greatest pieces of video game music ever composed.
on Winged Angel, the Distant Worlds version. I remember when we first heard that, my girlfriend at the time and I playing it towards the end of Final Fantasy VII. Uh, we didn't, we couldn't pick out the Latin, probably listening through an old mono TV speaker at the time. So uh, we decided that the lyrics were very, very, very cross, very cross, very cross, Sephiroth. Hmm. Uh, Rince issue 350 will be your Final Fantasy VII show. It's been requested once or twice over the last seven years, and we're finally going to do it just in time for Christmas. Now, The Gaffer has a request. It's an Amiga tune. This track is my favourite from the game, Apidia. Much like Turrican, this is Chris Hulsbeck at his absolute best, and not many could make the Amiga sound like he did. I have got to admit that the game was so beyond my mediocre skills that I had to use a trainer to get anywhere near the end, but it was worth it just to hear this masterpiece. This is the end credits tune from Apidia by Chris Hulsbeck.
I definitely heard that once back in the day because I did complete a Pidgey. I completed a lot of tough shooters on the Amiga. I guess uh, I had the time, the patience, the persistence and the uh, young person's skills and hand-eye coordination back in 1992 when I was 20 years old or thereabouts. Uh, yes, and it was uh, as much as the uh, yeah, pretty solid shoot 'em up gameplay, perhaps not uh, Japanese arcade standards, but it was, you know, it was right up there in terms of how good that stuff got on the home computers, at least. And I already had a Mega Drive at that point, and uh, I was, you know, perfectly happy to play a Pidgeot on the Amiga, even though I had access to some, you know, excellent, really excellent scrolling Japanese uh, shoot 'em ups on the Mega Drive. So. Yeah, uh, it was it was the soundtrack that kept me playing perhaps more than maybe I might have done otherwise. But also Apidia was full of odd little secrets and uh, little nifty ideas like the fact that you could fly into uh, a rat's stomach and go into this oozy uh, kind of bonus section. And yeah, it had kind of, yeah, kind of kind of weird and creepy atmosphere, even though it was ostensibly this quite cute game where you were a wasp uh, flying in that way that certain games put you in a different scale of things. Uh, this game shrunk you down, made everything else big. So regular insects were, you know, kind of flying behemoths, or well, maybe not quite, but uh, yeah, one memorable end boss is a kind of creepy straw stuffed doll. I recall, uh, I think, could you fly inside that as well? There was certainly something, there was something uh, to do with that that was gnarly. Can't quite remember. Anyway, cool game, cool memories, great tunes. Thanks, Chris Hulesbeck, and thanks, The Gaffer, for requesting. More nostalgia for me, and I'm sure, I hope, many of you. Wishy Washy requests a Mega Drive track, as we just mentioned that console. Bit of a seasonal offering. Slightly out of date, as you'll hear this, listeners, but uh, still well worth it. Lots of fond memories of this game, says Wishy Washy. As with most Disney Mega Drive games, brilliant graphics and music throughout. Overshadowed by Castle and World of Illusion, but still a great game, well worth a play. Love nearly all the music from this game, Quackshot, but this level stands out alongside the Maharaja level music. I always remember fearing the smile of the Billy Bunter-esque floating ghosts. Duck in time or they split into smaller ghosts who proceed to swarm you. After battling through the Transylvania levels, the end boss, Count Dracula slash Duckula, was a bit of a pushover. But never mind. Yeah, this certainly takes me right back, not only to playing the game back in the early 90s, but also to our Cane and Rinse podcast, issue 54. Covered this sort of loose Mega Drive trilogy of Sega-developed Disney games that sadly never get released anymore because of uh, licensing issues. But... Uh, if you have a Mega Drive or a Saturn, they released a double pack on the Saturn, but not World of Illusion, sadly. Uh, you can get that on Japanese imports still. Uh, well worth checking out. Much more, I would say, in my personal opinion, than the 2013 Sega Australia remake of Castle of Illusion, which isn't terrible, I wouldn't have said, but really doesn't quite capture the magic. But it is worth hearing from that game, the Grant Kirkhope uh, reinterpretations, orchestral style of the music. Anyway, this is the original sound chip version of a piece from Quackshot starring Donald Duck, Transylvania.
Shiganori Kamiya's Transylvania from Quackshot, just a short piece, looped a couple of times there, takes me right back. Now, a very much more recent piece requested by Dom's Beard, who says, after playing the demo last night, I have had this stuck in my head all day. This is from the very recent game, came out last month. Astrobot Rescue Mission, 12 Bar Bot. From the PSVR exclusive 2018 game, Astrobot Rescue Mission, uh, a big expansion of one of the early PSVR demos, I believe, featuring the similar characters. Uh, the tune is 12 Bar Bot, and Dom's Beard, who requested that, says, Is this the same Kenny Young that appeared on Sound of Play? <laughs> of course it is. It's our friend, Kenneth C.M. Young, composer for Tearaway and others. Uh, did some stuff on LBP as well. He joined me as a guest on Sound of Play 92, and he also popped back with a little pre-recorded segment for Sound of Play 100. Uh, very nice man, very enthusiastic. I'm sure he'll be happy to know that we're playing his tunes again. Yeah, this is from Astrobot Rescue Mission, which I got to play. I mentioned earlier that I popped up to Liverpool for the weekend with my partner Tanya. She did all the driving because she's the grown-up. And Kai uh, and Jay welcomed us there. 
And yeah, so I finally got to play some virtual reality. Uh, I won't go into my impressions in full on this show, but suffice to say, I thought it was cool. Uh, I haven't immediately splashed out on a set for myself, but who knows what the future may bring. But yeah, Astrobot was definitely, I played quite a, a few different things, didn't get around to absolutely everything that I wanted to, but uh, played six, seven, eight different VR experiences, I think. And Astrobot was definitely one of the highlights for me. A really charming platformer, 3D platformer, obviously influenced by Mario, but also strongly influenced by uh, certain, certainly Wally, the Pixar film. Uh, elements of lbp in there super mario galaxy as well the yeah uh, older uh, an older mario game um and perhaps it while astrobot you know i only saw the first i played the first world in its entirety um and yeah it seemed to have quite a few cool and interesting ideas and as everybody says it is absolutely true what people who have played vr tell you and I guess that's an increasing number of people now, but until you have tried it, it is very hard to actually express what the feeling of being in the game world is like until you've tried it. So Jay was very happy to finally get to prove that he was right, that uh, being in VR is very cool. Not that I ever denied it. Uh, I just, I've always had my doubts about the sort of commercial viability at this point of the tech, but it seems to be hanging on in there, if nothing else. Uh, it's still not exactly huge numbers of people playing in VR regularly, but it seems to be that maybe some kind of foundations are being forged and maybe as tech moves on, we'll, we'll get there. There were, were some issues with uh, fuzziness and blurriness, I would say, with PSVR. But bear in mind, we're playing on the, you know, the kind of the budget end of the tech. And uh, Jay's got a, a base PS4 rather than a Pro. So um, actually, some of it looked really, yeah, really lovely. And uh, yeah, it's um, it does give you a sensation that flat screen gaming simply cannot. Um, but yeah, some things, some some games, it didn't really make that much difference to me, like Thumper. I didn't once I was playing, I wasn't really any I wasn't particularly aware that I was playing it in VR. Um, it, I, I feel pretty immersed in that game. Anyway, without this kind of the surroundness of it. But anyway, yes, we'll talk more about this, I think, on our monthly Patreon show. If you support us and our efforts for just a dollar a month, currently around 76, 77 pence or something like that for a month, you get all the podcasts that we do, but you also get Cana Rinse a week early. You get extended cuts of Cana Rinse. For instance, our Final Fantasy VI show recently was over half an hour longer than the free-to-air cut. Uh, you get a monthly podcast, which uh, has been a good hour long the last couple of months. It's Jay and I talking about what we've been playing, questions and comments from the forum and all that sort of thing. Uh, and you'd also have access to a show that I'm going to mention later, uh, one of our console specials. I should have mentioned, of course, when I was covering the Mega Drive track that we recently had. Uh, that is out available to everybody now. Our Mega Drive first uh, ever console single format special that we've ever done. Our Mega Drive Genesis show, uh, as well as being available on the Patreon, is now available to everybody on the regular feed. So if you haven't checked that out already, I reckon it's worth a listen. Perhaps even if you were never a Mega Drive or Genesis person, uh, people have said it's still uh, you know, an interesting and educational three hours or so. <laughs> now we have Peditis or Peditis. Excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce it. Mr. or Mrs. Peditis. Uh, I just want to thank James Carter 
for picking Bleed and Bleed 2 for Cana Rinse this year and introducing me to this awesome series. The latter entry has become one of my favourite games and the soundtrack by Zukio Kalio is one of the main reasons why I enjoy it so much. The frenetic action just blends perfectly with the metal-influenced tunes. Love it! Here we go, it's I'll Show You! From Ian Campbell's Bleed 2, that's I'll Show You by Yukio, possibly Yukio, forgive me, Kalio, from the 2017 game. And as our former forum requester said, uh, James, this was one of our James Carter's picks for this year's podcasts. And all the way back at the start of the year in January, we covered Bleed and Bleed 2 in one show with your host, James. Uh, and yeah, a good time was had. I don't know how many people played it on the back of that, but at least one person. That's all we need to keep us going. Track seven, we've had uh, a variant thereof recently, but I wanted to include this pick as well. There's the version from Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain, but this is the original requested by Megadirt, who says the Peace Walker theme is a slow starter but the first time in a game I was happy with Relentless Death. That giant mech peeking around a building shooting me to bits to the most incredible music I've ever heard changed my opinion on Metal Gear Solid for the better. This music made me feel like I was Snake, and I could talk about it forever. We talked about it forever back in our series of Kane and Rinse Metal Gear Solid podcasts. This one was issue 44, and I expect we opened with... Uh, at least a segment from, and we're now going to hear the whole thing, the main theme by Akihiro Honda. (laughs) 
PSP game, originally 2010's Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, also came in HD form to PS3 and Xbox 360, and that version is now playable via the Xbox One on backwards compatibility. So that's cool. I have fond memories of playing that with mainly in co-op with Tony, ahead of the podcast. Yeah, and it is a different game. I understand why... uh, full-blown hardcore Metal Gear Solid fans. Maybe it isn't their favourite in the series. It's uh, it's less big on the uh, exposition and crazy ideas and cutscenes. But uh, but as a, an interesting, fun strategy combat game, uh, I had a I had a good time playing it. Yeah, not necessarily one that I'd go back to or anything like that. But uh, but yeah, it was it was it was a positive experience, as you can hear about in that Kenny Rince podcast forty four. Penultimate track time. Sergeant Silent requests a piece from Ape Escape. When Spike begins to enter the 15th century in the ancient East, we are delivered a rousing oriental tune. This track in particular, Sushi Temple, really allows you to feel the oriental Japan vibe without leaving the childish fun of capturing loose apes behind. Yeah, Sushi Temple by Soichi Terada, who isn't known for much else in the video games world other than uh, Ape Escape music. Uh, I think Soichi's career is perhaps more in anime and or films or uh, various other work. Anyway, but yes, the entire CV of uh, Ape Escape games is there. Not sure what's going on with that license library IP at this point. Uh, The last thing that I can think of off the top of my head would have been the Super Smash Brothers type game for PlayStation Battle Royale, uh, which now has a different meaning, of course. Um, but yeah, and uh, this came up recently, of course, because I think quite a few people were hoping that Ape Escape would make an appearance on the PlayStation Classic until everyone clocked that the PlayStation Classic that's coming out for Christmas, the mini mini console, doesn't have analog sticks. They've gone with the original D-pads, which is rather 
possibly some might say hamstrung the selection of games that they were able to offer. So I have a funny feeling. We've discussed recently what they might do in terms of adding extra library potential for games, but I do wonder if they might either release a second edition or release new analog controllers that work with the with the PlayStation Classic Mini. So yes, if you want to play this now, you'll need a PlayStation and a DualShock or a Dual Analog. Or you can play Opiscape 2 on the PS4 if you want. Well worth doing in my in my opinion. Those monkeys are still cute and funny and uh, entertaining to catch. Anyway, enough wiffle waffle. Here are those apes sushi temple style.
Soichi Tarada's Sushi Temple from Ape Escape, the original 1999 PlayStation 1 game when we were just all coming to terms with the idea of twin analog sticks. <laughs> you can listen to our PlayStation single format special. Three hours of talk all about the original PS1 from its inception as a Super Famicom Super Nintendo add-on to its uh, conquering, really, of the video games market and reshaping of the video games market. Uh, Patreon.com, head over there, donate that dollar a month. It helps us out tremendously because, as you have probably realised by now, we do put uh, an extraordinary amount of time and effort into Cane and Rinse and Sound of Play and all the other stuff that we do. And uh, that's a little treat. You get that more than two months early at this point. Uh, no, about two months early. We're going we're to release it for everyone in a couple of months. But if you want to hear it sooner, you can use that excuse to chuck us a buck. Remember, do venture over to our forum as well at canarince.com slash forum. Or you can do it on Twitter. Follow us at canarince. Use the hashtag sound of play if you want. Even the Facebook page, facebook.com slash canarince, of course. You can request your favourites, other oddities and curios from the history of the medium. Even better if you've got a story or some reason why you'd like us to play it. But we're also happy to play things if you just think it's a fantastic tune. Makes you laugh, smile, cry, punch the air, whatever. Uh, we'll continue to include a selection of those in the playlist for each regular sound of play. Please subscribe to this podcast if you don't already. And please, can we ask again, leave us an iTunes review or rating. That's Apple Podcasts in modern parlance, I believe. Uh, ratings and reviews really, 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 really help, as well as subscriptions, which stay more steady, but obviously go up. But um, the reviews and ratings actually really bump the podcast visibility. So if we can ask you to just remember to nip over there and give us a rating or even a few words to recommend the show to other people. That would be awesome. Thank you. Uh, follow us on social media, Instagram, as I say, Facebook and Twitter. And don't forget the homepage, canarince.com. You can go through there to everything, including that forum. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, as I say, please consider that dollar a month through our Patreon, patreon.com slash canarince. And it will be gratefully received. Uh, I want to thank you. My name is Leon. This show. As it always is, uh, thank you, listener, for listening and our community contributors, all of, all nine of you in this case. Keep them coming, please. We still need more. We've got a we've got a decent selection. But if we did nine every week, well, we need some more requests. We'd run out eventually. Finally, then, this is another Amiga track requested by Spacefarer, who says this is the sort of track that you can leave on for ages and never get bored of. It's also an Amiga track, which should hopefully win me some Leon points. I wasn't aware I was giving out points, but OK. Composed by Barry Leitch, as one can discover by opening the track in a hex editor, I think, says Spacefarer. I'd never actually played this game, says Spacefarer, but it shows up often on a certain stream and it's always a good time. Since I've now got the Amiga emulator working, it may appear on mine as well. Yeah, I played Space Crusade quite a lot back in the day. It was a late night game. Me and a friend, Andy, used to work late night shifts in the early 90s at a burger bar. And after those shifts, we would often uh, yeah, finish at midnight or even one and then go back to mine, which was at my mum's because I was a late teen, early 20s and play this um, this computer game incarnation adaptation, I should say, of 
board game that was a collaboration. I might be wrong about this because I'm not a board game person. Hence, Kane and Rince doesn't do anything to do with board games. Nothing against them. It's just not what we do, not what we are. Uh, Space Crusade was, I think, Games Workshop teaming up with MB Games, Milton Bradley, to make a sort of more accessible, lighter, less nerdcore version of Space Hulk, effectively. So it was still Space Marines and Gene Steeler aliens, but it wasn't quite as uh, in-depth and exacting uh, it was more dice rolls which actually probably wasn't i mean space hulk had a lot of dice rolls as well to be fair um it was a bit more kind of knockabout fun but it was fun and the amiga version not the prettiest game in the history of the world and as you'll hear from this music this music was actually quite retro for 1992 even but uh, but it was a good time and uh, it was a tense i guess the closest modern analog although actually the games that preceded XCOM were already around, but something like XCOM, it, it had that sort of vibe of uh, tensely working your way around various grid-based structures and trying not to buy the farm at the claws of mean and nasty aliens. Anyway, fond memories indeed of yeah, 25 plus years ago, Gremlin Graphics Amiga game. Uh, yeah, so I'll leave you with this. Yeah, it's quite a long one. If you don't enjoy it, you can turn it off. But I recommend sticking with it. We think I don't I'm basing this on one YouTube credit. It might be called Spacing Piss, uh, which probably wasn't what it was called in the game. But it may have been in that hex editor. I'm not sure. Anyway, Barry Leitch possibly helped out in some way by Ian Howe. Anyway, there it is. And uh, it'll be Ryan next time on Sound of Play 172. And until I next speak to you, have a good time.